everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Football, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, is this, you know, last week we said that, you know, they made such great progress this year, and even if the previous two weeks hadn't gone like we liked they'd at least you know uh really been in it against the the top teams in this conference and uh did we did we curse them hey i will say was not a math major but technically if we're doing the math they lost by an average of what was like 42 points the last two times that they played utsa or something like that so to only lose by 20 is is that 50% better? Is that is that how the math works? Something like that? So, yay. It's, yes, it's some <laughs> improvement. Oh, man. This was the... Just a bad game, man. Yeah. I just... Wasn't good. And, like... I don't know if anybody felt really optimistic going into this one with JT out, but yeah, it wasn't great. Can we, can we actually, I want to recap a little bit of that. Can we split it a couple different ways? The first half I was, I was pretty pleased with if I'm, if I'm grading. Oh yeah, for sure. I want to give like that six minute stretch of the third quarter an F minus. And I want to give the first half, like, as a whole big picture, like a solid B. Like, you did not get very good quarterback play in at all, honestly, on, on Saturday. And that's not just a, a shot at AJ. Just that kind of hampered us, just the entire offense a little bit. But I thought, you know, you got the score right before halftime when you absolutely desperately needed it. The defense mm-hmm. played out of their minds for the first half, got backed up several times, got the turnover in the red zone. It just did so many things right. So the first half, if you would have told me, hey, it's halftime against UTSA at any point in the last three years, you're losing by three. Where do I sign? Yeah. Yeah. And then they say you're on your backup quarterback. He's actually your third quarterback you've played this year. I guess fourth, if you count Shoki. (laughs) I would say, okay, where do I sign? If they would have offered me down 10, I would have, where do I sign? So, like, again, that jarring divergence between expectations and reality in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, here comes the third quarter, and in a what, like four minute span of game clock? Rice goes from down three to down 24. And uh, that 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 just about did it. Like, like Outs- no joke. Outside like, of it that really stretch, was four Rice, minutes. <laughs> outside of that stretch, uh, Rice outscored UTSA 14 to 10. So, you know, we can just pretend that six minutes didn't happen, right? Yeah, and it all comes down, and I'm not like, Maybe maybe this is an exaggeration. It all comes down to one, literally one play that changes the course of the entire game. And I'm not saying Rice wins this game if this play doesn't happen or goes another way. But I will say when that happened, I was like, oh, that's going to sink him, isn't it? I just had that deja vu like 
here we go again feeling the fourth and one where and I want to talk I guess we'll talk about a little bit specifics about the defense as we get going here but the fourth and one where Frank Harris takes the snap gets pressure in his face has to roll out gets more pressure and has to like basically just run straight into the sideline and Michael Larby gets him by the scruff of the neck and pulls just enough so that he's flagged for I think they officially ruled it a horse collar penalty. Officially, I think that's what was ruled. But the 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 referee said uh, roughing the passer, which you can't, I don't think actually is allowed to be called on a ball carrier out of the pocket. Yeah, like, no. You can't, like, so that was wrong. But I think it was a horse collar is what should have been called there. It, it, it was an accurate call. Got him by the, the neck did not need to happen. And UTSA gets the first down. They punch it in a couple plays later from the one-yard line. And at that point, if it wind wasn't out of the sails, the quick punt return touchdown after a three and out where it was a bomb shot. One of the be- better balls that A.J. Padgett put on all night hit Luke McCaffrey in the hands. And I talked to him after the game, and Luke was like, yeah, like, we got to help our quarterback out like and it was it was pretty tough like it came at a very like high angle so i'm not going to put it all on luke or all on aj but just kind of like that's where it was like okay the breaks are officially not happening yeah and that uh, uh, i don't know is, is it worth discussing whether like cuz i think like well if they were paying attention to the practice reports uh that you put out during the week that uh it wouldn't have been surprising that AJ was the starting quarterback on Saturday, but I don't know. Is that sort of a, are we surprised in general, I guess that it wasn't Chase Jenkins after he took, had taken such a high percentage of the just first team reps overall over the last several weeks with, uh, with JT's ankle injury. So I think it's a fair question. And I was having this discussion with folks offhand uh, last, you know, beginning of the week. And they, you know, the kind of the consensus was, well, you know, AJ's more experienced. And I said, is he? And, and I'm, this is not an anti-AJ Paget thing, but I was like, well, AJ Paget started the North Texas game and he started the bowl game. And those are two starts. So yes, more starts than Chase Jenkins. But if you add up the half that Chase played against uh, Texas Southern and the half that he finished out and looked really dang good, against SMU and you sprinkle in other couple packages here and there. I'm like, okay, you want to say AJ's more experienced maybe by like a game and Chase has been practicing with the ones exclusively for six weeks. Yeah, it was not it's not enough of an experience uh like disconnect between the two of them that it seems to me like a a, a slam dunk that you go with the guy that's started games over the guy that's that's practiced a whole lot more with the ones this year but i don't know if if you ask me and i think if you if if we you change the scenario and this what and chase jenkins had two games left to play or you know you change the red shirt rules because i really do think that that was a part of the mix because they they would like to not burn chase's red shirt if they don't have to and if this had been the final game of the season and chase had played three like i think if that was the scenario then I think the decision is a lot more challenging for the coaching staff. And also, I have no idea, you know, or we didn't, at least at the time, what what the timetable is for 
the the concussion and J, JT Daniels progression through it. Do we think that this is a, a one game and you're back thing? Preston Stone also had concussion symptoms at left the game against Rice. He started on Friday night. Uh, so and we'll get to again, subscribe to the roost. I reported I was the only one, I believe, to report that AJ Padgett was going to be the starting quarterback for Rice before they put it out right before game time. So if you want to know who's starting this week, uh, hint, hint, I'll probably have a better guess than whoever is guessing on the Internet. But th- that aside. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And I I up it got to the point where the first half I was like, OK, is AJ giving you the best chance to win? But then after the third quarter, I'm just like, let's be real. Like. Did the quarterback matter on Saturday as to why Rice didn't win the game? Like AJ didn't play well, but like, I don't think that was the difference. That's kind of my takeaway here is like, regardless, I, I don't think even if I, I think it is reasonable to, I don't know, to posit that Chase might have been better. Like, a, I don't know. No one can say with any certainty, but, uh, even if he were, it would not be such a difference as to to change the outcome of this game. Uh, I would, I, and are we really like coming on the podcast today and saying, man, Rice lost 34 to 28. We feel so much better. Yeah. For the third. like, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you, you only get so many close losses to count as encouraging before we say, man, come on. So, yeah, I the offense, it, it was never in sync. And. When I was talking with Bloomgren after the game, I was like, hey, what was up like with the offensive line or what was going on? And he is good coach and was not going to throw anybody under the bus. But he's like, hey, you know, it's everybody's fault. You know, there's some, you know, play calls and schemes that are designed for this kind of drop or this kind of read. And if you don't get it out in time and you get hit, it's not the offensive line's fault. So I think there was some of that at hand. I think protection probably could have yeah. been better. The the running game never really got going. Offense was just it. It kind of felt just disjointed from go, like just right. didn't really click. And and I will say, just kind of finishing this out, like if the coaching staff believes that now that let's let's say hypothetically JT we don't know if he can play this week but he can play the, the season finale so you can get one start at a chase and that's better i think the coaching staff will make that change i think they are not too proud to see but i also know that we got to get everything else working together for that to make sense so luke mccaffrey yeah. being what did he finish with in this game 6 for 68 on 10 targets i thought he was pretty good i i think again you didn't really have anybody else step up Landon had a nice touchdown right. grab, but no, no Dean Connors miracle bail you out. Although I think Dean, Dean did pretty well, had a couple good runs, a couple good cuts that I really liked. I'm where all Dean Connors stands on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I think offense, obviously 14 points with other than Texas, actually, I should have this up in, in front of me. Was this the season low? Uh, yeah, I think so. They pull out my scoreboard or my stats. Yeah, yeah, I, be- yeah I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Before that, it would have been East Carolina 24. Wow. 24 was the season low non-Texas category before this game. That's 
that's kind of shocking considering where this offense has come from. Yeah, it's uh, it's kudos to Tui. It's a big uh, it's a big change from years past. Uh, we would love better results overall, but I like obviously the the offense had its problems in this game, but I don't think you can complain much about the the overall way the offense has been this year. It's it's been a clear and obvious improvement that we've talked about at length, but it's a it's taking a step back on that front. The offense has just been a whole lot better this year. Yeah, and I don't know what worked in the second half against SMU because, you know, we in, in years past, I think I might have fallen victim to saying, well, you're starting quarterbacks out, so meh, whatever, I don't know. But what we saw Chase Jenkins be able to run against SMU is we now have, you know, the proof's out. Like, we know this offense right. can operate with a non-JT Daniels quarterback at the helm. It's better when JT's at the helm because JT has been right. fantastic this year. and. There was a couple, and I was thinking about this during the game, a couple passes that just missed or things like that. I'm like, JT is good for like three or four just like, what? Like mind-blowing moments a game that extend drives and end up in points. And when you take out that special, that's where you have to be perfect. And when you're not perfect, isn't there? But I would say, all that to say, like, I know this offense can work. We've seen it work. So it makes me more confident that regardless of JT's situation coming into the Charlotte game for this offense is scoring more than 14 points on Saturday. Charlotte has a decent defense, but this is, this is at least, at least a three touchdown game, regardless of who's playing quarterback, probably four. Like, I think I'm, I'm not like I'm concerned because I think like the 50 point upside, like if JT Daniels is healthy and you're rolling, you could put up 40 plus on Charlotte and I would not blink an eye, but no JT Daniels. Can you still get to 31? Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, uh, it definitely puts more pressure on the defense. But, uh, I mean, it's it's winning time now. Like, as much as the last three weeks have gone not the way we'd want them to, like, you probably would have said that this was, at any point, probably the most likely outcome of this stretch of games. Um, and it's nice that some of them were closer than they have been. but. That's what it was, and since you lost the UConn game, the the margin for error is gone. So here's two games. You're trying to make a bowl. You're at four wins. You got to win them. And so we know that the a- offense, even without JT, is capable of of playing winning football. I guess, and and now it's time to do it. And as as just kind of an interesting thought exercise, and. I feel like this deja vu. I'm pretty sure we did something like this last year. But if you flip the result of the Houston game and the UConn game, like we're we'll probably feel worse off, right? Like cool, probably. You UConn. Yeah, UConn's not. You didn't. You you didn't have the oh, I can't believe you lost to this team. Bad loss. But you also don't have the remember. This is still true. It's mid-November, and Rice has the only Power 5 win by an American conference team. Yeah, that's Full weird. stop. That, <laughs> that is a true statement. So I'm just saying, yeah. Like, yeah. like, the UConn low is there, but the ceiling is also still in there. So that's part of it. I don't know if I have anything else to say about the offense. I do want to spend a little bit of time on the defense because I... We gave a couple weeks ago, 
Well, I guess it was the SMU game, right? Where we gave OC Marcus Tuiasopo his flowers for like I just I just thought like he called an incredible game. Like mm-hmm. I was just like giddy about how yeah. well executed everything was. I I want to give Brian Smith a shout out. I know there's 34 points on the scoreboard. 27 of those points were scored by the UTSA offense. I you got off the field on one of those with the penalty on fourth and one, but the first half I was just jumping up and down about how he decided to attack the UTSA offense and Frank Harris because I remember two years ago, Frank threw for a billion yards and right there, UTSA won by 40. And then last year, it was rainy, it was wet, it was like 40 degrees in Rice Stadium. And I was thinking, oh, so Rice will be good because Frank's not going to be able to throw for 400 yards in this weather. And he ran for like 150 and three touchdowns. But in this game, the Rice game plan was contain on first and second down. Don't let him get out of the pocket and beat you. And then on third down, bring pressure, put blitzers in his face, and make him beat a corner one-on-one. And I thought for the most part, it worked really, really well. It was the best game plan they've had against Frank Harris since he's been here. 140 years of Frank Harris. Or something like that. It's Yeah, it's been 84 years. Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, UTSA averaged less than five and a half yards of play on the whole in this game, which is not like an amazing defensive performance, but it's a defensive performance that like you will take. Like it's not a. That's one you can win with if you get the quality of Rice offense that we have seen for the most part this season. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. You get one touchdown before halftime. Keep in mind, there's a guy who hung 40 points on you last year. And then you have a special teams touchdown and you have a touchdown that should not have happened if you don't commit a personal foul. Then those are your three touchdowns that UTSA scores. Yeah. So I, it just if I, I'm with this offense and the way they've played all season, if you tell me, hey, the, the opponent is going to score on 50 to 60% of their possessions, but most of them are going to be field goals. Sign me up because oh, yeah. I think the offense can cover that. And that's if you have the functional rice offense in this game. And you're telling me that rice can't score 35 on a good defense. Uh, we've seen them <laughs> do it <laughs> like. So I don't know. I yeah, it wasn't, you know, Marshall-esque shutout, but can you come together with the right plan to beat a good offense? I think we've seen signs that maybe this unit is more capable than I thought they were four weeks ago. Yeah. And, And that's against the best offenses in this conference. No, like, honestly... To have come out of this stretch, having given up, 
I mean, what was it? 20, 30, 36 and 34 points. Like those end results aren't stellar, but if you, again, if you told me at the beginning of the year that that was going to be the amount of points Rice gave up during those stretches, like I'd have been pretty satisfied with it. I don't know that I like would have predicted them to win any of these games, and they got very close. And it's, I'm I'm all the more sad that they got so close. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think your 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 analysis of the game plan is spot on, and I, I do think that gives you some level of confidence going forward. Um, Obviously, we have seen a bit of the uh, CUSA madness infecting uh, the AAC this year. Maybe not so much in terms of the results, although sometimes in terms of the results. But there have been a lot of near misses of the not-so-great teams in this conference or the ones with the not-so-great conference records uh, and the teams that are near the top. Uh, So, Like Charlotte almost beating Memphis. Almost beating Memphis, yeah. Uh, I looked up at that afterwards and I was like, wait, what? Tulane's thought real hard about losing to just about everyone at some point. Um, Yeah, so. It's a weird year, man. Very strange, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Special teams in this game? (sighs) Meh. Yeah, I guess you can't feel good about giving up a punt return for a touchdown, but and they didn't miss a field goal, and the I think there was, was a, serviceable. There was a opportunity if you felt so inclined to throw a holding penalty on that punt return. I feel like every punt return, yeah. somebody somebody says, "Hey, that could be holding." So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to get too beat up about that. But no. oh, and then. Uh, Connor Hunt has been okay. Like, I don't know. We, I think it just honestly, we got spoiled by Jack Fox booming it 52 yards every time he yeah. touched the football. That when I see a 38 yard punt, I'm like, oh, that's not good. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it's probably below average, but it's also way below like highest paid punter in the league. Average is he did. Is Jack the highest paid punter right now? I think he, he signed a big contract. So, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. So that's my standard. Maybe I'm sorry, Connor. Maybe I am actually holding you to literally the best in the in world. In general, that's, if you, that's not if you're, fair. If you're getting about 40 yards a punt, you can work with that. And Connor averaged 39.8. So yeah. It's it not you're, we're not leading the Ray Guy bandwagon here, maybe, but but that that'll do. Can we can we talk about targeting real quick? That's an oxymoron. You can't talk about targeting really quick. But yeah. Can can I opine and say that? And I I did not rant and complain after Rice was popped for 120 yards of penalties against SMU. Or whatever it was, might have been worse than that. But man, what 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 are we doing here? <laughs> just it just like, doesn't. None of it makes any sense. I don't even know, like, if you if you ask me, okay, how is the what what does the rule say? I don't I I don't know. My interpretation of what I thought the rule was meant to be is that you couldn't for launch yourself into a defenseless player with your helmet and hit them in the helmet. That's what I that's the gist of what I thought we were trying to prevent with this rule. Like horse collar, what are you trying to prevent? 
I know that. Grabbing someone by the collar and pulling them backwards. Like, I got that. I thought targeting was supposed to be preventing the helmet-to-helmet collision that was on purpose. Well, they just and, they just threw all this grab bag stuff in there. Like, there's a stuff about, like, oh, under certain circumstances, it's no, like, forcible contact to the head at all. And then there's some where it's like there has to be, like, a launch. And some where it's about the crown of your helmet. And some where it's about helmet-to-helmet. So it's just become this, like, grab bag of things that are like, we don't want these things. And it just doesn't... Like, all of them are probably things that you, like, want out of the game. And so on the one hand, there's part of me that's like, oh, it's probably... It's, it's, it is what it is. But on the other hand, it's like, you are ejecting people from the game when you do this. From this, this rule that is enforced with absolutely zero level of consistency or or sort of rhyme or reason. Like, there's no kind of guiding through line to any of it other than, like, this is bad. And, like, uh, like it, 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 if this is going to continue, there's got to be some kind of thing where it's, like, a flagrant foul in the NBA, where there's, like... Ooh, there I are like lo- that. There needs to be like a like targeting one and targeting two. You know, it's can we make it like cards in soccer? Like you pick up three targetings in a season and you're out for a game. Yeah, well, and it's it's the it's the same thing with like with like like a a flagrant one in the NBA is like you uh, you know it's like unnecessary and and you know dangerous contact or whatever, and it's. The other team gets two free throws in the ball and you pick up like a like a flagrant point or something. There's something they track on the back end where it's like you. Yeah. And you get so many because it always comes up at the end of the season where so and so picked up one more flagrant and they can't play the last game or something like that. It's always yeah. Like that. If by so and so you mean and I say this as a Warriors fan, Draymond Green, Draymond Green. Yeah. <laughs> Draymond Green was actually, I'm not Dylan, even a Warriors and fan. And also Dylan but, Brooks. But yeah, um, but that was who was in my head. It was Draymond Green. Absolutely. But then. If you have a flagrant, two, like there has like flagrant two is, is the one where it's there's like it's either like really really obviously dangerous and reckless or like and there's usually like an unintent element, you know, like you did something that you knew and meant like you meant to do it and you knew or should have known that it was like clearly and obviously dangerous and that one's an automatic ejection like in the moment and there's got to be there. If you're going to, like, not to suggest to make the rule more complicated, but if it's going to stay, it has to have, like, an intent element or, like, some level of, you shouldn't be able to be trying to make a normal football play and get ejected from the game for it in one go. What I would like is if you make an overtly, excessively aggressive play that could hurt somebody, to the point where everyone's like, you tried to hurt somebody. I'm cool with just making that an objection from the game. Like, fine. That's your penalty. Like, you try yeah. and take somebody out, you go ahead hunting. That's a game ejection. There are no repercussions after that game. Fine. But my middle ground compromise is if you make a play that doesn't look like you're trying to kill the guy, but it was overtly dangerous... Like, for example, the hit on A.J. Paget, a quarterback, as he's sliding to his helmet. I don't need an ejection for that. I need a penalty. That needs to be an automatic first down. I don't care if it's 10 yards, if it's 15 yards, 
whatever. That needs to be a first down. If by the same token, you want to say the play, and I don't even remember what defender, was it Myron Morrison, uh, who had the, the UTSA ball carrier was coming down, got grabbed yeah. by the face mask and spun around. Like, yeah. that doesn't need to be an ejection. But if something like that happens, where it's football, it happens, There sh- it should be a penalty. It should be treated the same way the horse collar was. Yeah, so you're well, doing and- something that could hurt somebody, and we want to penalize that. And there's and already, then, but- like... Like, why is that not just why does that not just fall under unnecessary roughness? Unnecessary roughness is already a penalty that exists. What gets me is when they call the targeting and everyone's everyone has agreed. The the officials have agreed that was a play that was dangerous. And now we're going to see if this rule applies. I don't I I'm totally for not ejecting college kids who are not trying to hurt people and just play the game. I think that's silly when you only might get so many opportunities to do this in your life. But for it to take up the penalty and there's no penalty for it, that's what I have a problem with. Like, it's a it's a dangerous foul. There needs to be a foul thrown. Like, when you take that up and you say, okay, no penalty, then I'm just like, what are we doing here? We're, we're actually not sending the message that we want to. Like, if you get penalized and and, and you get your coach chews you out and you keep doing this and you will play less and that 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 will that will work itself out, you know? So I I don't know it. This is not the reason that Rice lost this game. And I'm just, it's so annoying, man, for Rice to have two targeting penalties called against them and taken up in back-to-back weeks, both of which ended with a quarterback getting hit in the head, which is something that the NFL, like, you can't breathe on people anymore. Like, I don't know if we have to go that bad, but, like, I don't understand what we're trying to do with this penalty if it's not protect quarterbacks. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 what you get when you're just trying to make all of these nonsense ad hoc fixes instead of rethinking any of this from a systemic perspective. Like they're just they're just applying band aids and and medical tape on top of them in this like this mess of nonsense, and it's all falling apart. It's just bad. I don't. I don't like it. This is bad. Bad rule. Needs to be fixed. Lots of penalties on Rice. It's not going to work out. I don't know. That was just kind of my my rough feelings after seeing all the penalties that have been flagged thrown against Rice back to back weeks. I don't know. I'm never going to be the guy who complains about officiating because ninety percent of the time it's a crutch for you not playing good enough. Yep. Like sometimes they're egregious fouls that swing games. It happens, but most of the time. Uh, it's it's on you. Like, let's be real. But yeah, stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't even care now. Like, just can you stop throwing the flag if we're not trying to keep people safe? I thought that was the idea. So that was my little. I didn't even plan to go on a extended targeting rant, <laughs> but it had been like maybe like I don't know two or three years, and I feel I feel a little better. So yeah. That's it. Let's not have any targeting fouls. Let's not have any personal yeah, fouls. Yeah, please no. This coming weekend against Charlotte. I would like to see Rice beat Charlotte. That would make me feel better. That would be very nice. And I will... Uh, can I uh, close with this? Just... And don't... I, I led with this in my column post game. And please, audience, do not shoot the messenger. But as of right this very moment, 
uh, Action Network's Brett McMurphy, who does a really good job doing bowl projections, projects there will not be enough six-win teams to fill all the bowl slots this year. And I did go <laughs> look at the APR, and I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, if Rice wins this weekend or next, and they get to five wins. It'll probably do it. Be, you could be looking at a scenario where a uh, five-win Rice is going. And, like, let's let's not have that conversation until we have to. Like, I know we both feel different in sort of all sorts of ways about that potential thing, but I'm just saying what's most important right now is you would really love, and just I would for watching these players, I would love for them to get the opportunity to go to a bowl again. So let's beat Charlotte. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm putting this yeah. out here. So just it's it's been said and we all know what's going on. That's that's I'm leaving it there. Beat the yeah. Biff. So yeah, please, let's not lose to Biff. So that's really uh, it. I just I just right. I, I can't that's, cannot that's tolerate here. Biff. The sleep the cutoff sleeves just <laughs> Come on. Like you're not a WWE character, man. You're a college football coach. I'm not I'm never one who really gets like the wearing a full suit on the sideline. Like the with the like the Rick the Rick Patino, you know? But like right. but yeah, like let's not little, little bit of decorum. You're Just, not you're not like, Bill Belichick, the dude. Yeah, you're not. That's all. Okay. Well, beat Biff or no, and and hopefully we're on the positive side of that. Uh, we'll be uh, back next week to talk things through with y'all then. Uh, and Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.